Should we uh, fire things up here? Fire it off. All righty. Let me uh, get my voice ready here. All righty. Welcome back to another episode of Unscripted Exchanges. You guys are in for a treat this evening. We've got another great guest joining us. This is two in a row, Cole, right? Two in a row. How about that? I guess uh, we're getting popular or something. So joining us tonight is Andy Ruther. He is, well... I'll do my best to try to introduce him. He is a marathon runner. He is a basketball coach. He's a comedian. He's a social media influencer, whether or not he wants to uh, agree with that. <laughs> he does a lot of things. Um, he is continuing to uh, make a difference in the sports world. Um, he is the host of Dirty Sports, um, and he is just uh, a jack of all trades, I guess is the right way of putting it. So uh, welcome to the show, Andy. Thanks. You're leading off with marathon runner. I know. Yeah. I, that, that would be I, the last thing I would lead off with. <laughs> I, I've barely run three marathons. I feel like it's because Hayden just ran his second on Sunday. That's been it's on top of his mind. I, yeah, it's top of mind. And I think last time we connected, we were talking about running or something. So, so how'd it go? Talk to me, Hayden. I fell apart. I came out way too hot. Um, I was crushing it. I think uh, the first six miles or so, I was running right under a seven-minute pace, which is phenomenal. And sure. then by the time I reached mile 10 or so in Hyde Park, um, this is a Cincinnati pig, by the way, uh, I was feeling gassed. And then the last 16 miles, it was kind of off and on, stop and start. And I finished right under four hours, which is pretty good. That's good. In the it's grand scheme of things. But I was still shooting for like three hours and 15 minutes. So. I feel like this is what happened in October, though. It, yeah, exactly. You said you came out hot. Same thing. Deja vu. <laughs> pretty, pretty much. It, it goes back to nutrition. Last fall... I had to go to the bathroom twice. Yeah. That's where I thought I lost a bunch of time. This time, no joke, I was craving food so bad throughout the race. Like I went to the bathroom before, didn't eat, so that I went from one extreme to the other where I had a full stomach to just an empty stomach. And I was craving like sweets, candy, Skyline. I wanted Skyline so bad. So take me through your pre-run. The pre-race meal, what'd you have? I feel like he's interviewing me right I now. I know, and I'm like, I look at every verse. Yeah, we t- we talked about this the other day, and he's he said that I'm like, oh, that's exactly what happened. Yeah, go ahead. What'd you eat? What did I eat before? So I carb loaded, like you know they tell everyone to do. I think I had I had spaghetti the night before. I had some ravioli. Um, what'd you have in the morning though? Oh, like right up. Yeah. Before, all I had was a scoop of peanut. That's butter. where he messed like, up. Literally no food, and then I had the what do you call those things? Like the uh, the Gatorade gel packs or whatever. N- not those. those little gummies. Um, I'm bl- goo. I think gu those gel things. So you do all this training. Yeah, I fucked up. <laughs> like, 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 let's go through this, right? Like, yeah. This is, and obviously, Cole, you probably have some insight because you guys have a show together. You yeah. see each other. So you know, right, he's training all the time. And then the morning of, he's like, yeah, I'm just going to be like a college kid and have a slab of peanut butter before I run into class. But no, you're not running to class. You're doing 26, 26 miles. Mi- yep. Yeah. I, well, he said that. He goes, and it's funny because we every time, I, like, every time we're talking or I put it over to record or anything like that, we always like he works around my schedule because I've got two daughters and I've got stuff going on. And then we work around. He's like, I'm training. This is like one of my, my top priority. I'm like, I get that, dude. Like, I'm not going to run a marathon, but I can imagine how regimented you have to be if you want to do well. And uh, so he's got like this this eating program, this and that. And I get over here. He's like, 
he's working on his back porch. I'm like, how did you do? He's like, I didn't do as well as I wanted to. And he's like, I only had a scoop of peanut butter before I ran. I'm like, dude, that's something they teach you like eighth grade, Hayden. Like you got to eat yeah. some food. So I was just worried that by eating too much again, I would have to go to the bathroom. Sure. Because sometimes, and I've done that on all of my long runs where I literally didn't eat that much or anything and I would be fine. And even just having like a pack of oatmeal, like it makes me want to go to the bathroom. So I didn't want to eat anything. You didn't so. want to risk it basically. Exactly. So. It's, well, I, I bet it sounds like you kind of have, I I went through some battles, but I think a lot of it's mental. It probably is. Yeah. But I mean, you were really coming out hot. That face is. Oh, I was cr- I was crushing it. I mean, I I had a very strict regimen. I just I screwed up again with my diet twenty four hours before the race. Yeah, yeah. It's not easy. Be be proud. Under four is great. Yeah, but running twenty six miles is great. Running a marathon is great. So I'm the I'm the positive. I'm yeah, optimist. Got, so like, what's the most you've ever run? Probably five or six miles. Okay. Like, yeah. I mean, I can I can go out and run five miles. Yeah. At like a 10, 10 and a half minute pace. I don't, I'm not a runner. I haven't trained for a marathon, never sure. done it. Um, so, I mean, like a hike, like he's like under four hours. I'm going, I go to East Fork and I do like a 10 mile hike. It's called the loop around the lake. I'm like, that takes me four, four hours to do yeah. the hike. So, you know, I'm sitting here going, you know, you can be a little hard on yourself and, and this and that, but you still ran yeah. 26 miles. I mean, it's all, it's all relative. I mean, you've ran what? You said a couple of marathons in your I've done, heyday? I've done three full two halves. Okay. And what was your best? You did much better. So I did, in 2019, I did a reckless thing. I did two marathons within six weeks, two fulls. <laughs> I did LA's and then I did Cincinnati's. Is LA hilly? Cincinnati is much easier. It, it, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's much easier. Mm-hmm. LA's is okay. I, I actually did Cincinnati's better. I probably did Cincinnati around like 437. Okay. That's still pretty darn good. Thanks. But I, but I, I hit same thing. I was, I was trying to go under four. Right. And I was doing great. And I, when I, my problem would, would happen in LA. It's it's almost like similar to you, but with with liquid. I I felt like I I was cramping. I felt like I was drinking too much during the race. Mm-hmm. So then in Cincinnati, I didn't, and I didn't drink enough. The opposite at all. effect. So <laughs> then so then at thirteen mile thirteen, like right the halfway, I started dry heaving, and then I ended up throwing up. Right, because I was like dehydrated, and and from there the wheels fell off. Yeah, because it, it sucks. Because everybody who was following me goes, you were. So on pace to do under four, yeah. And then that last half, I just, I just ate it, yeah. And you, and you know how it goes. Once, once you fall off, you fall. Well, off it's quick. like I think the interesting thing is from a non-marathon runner <clears throat> is like if you fall off pace for like <clears throat> two or three miles, then you got to make that back up on top of being on a better pace. Like it's, sure. it's like you dig yourself in the hole if you if you get off pace a little bit. It yeah. Sounds like. I guess Siri's joining us for this. Siri, what do you think? Well. Yeah, isn't that creepy? <clears throat> like, does that bother you guys? What Siri? Just everything that, like, right now, everything we're doing is yeah. being watched. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, yes and no. And what the hell? Why is it still going? I got a story if you want one. Sure. Okay, so <clears throat> we got a Google Home. You know the Google Homes, right? Yeah. And this was probably five or six years ago. When they first came out, we got one for the house, really excited, and you could talk to it and play music and stuff. But, by the way, not to get you off real quick, when you first say Google Home, this is where my mind... Let's like, hear it. I go like crazy, wild conspiracy. I think like Google made your home. 
Oh, and yeah. they're watching your entire home. <laughs> okay, it's not a Google made home. Okay, to your was, left there is a Google home, by the way, as well. Yeah, it was like that. It's probably listening to us right now. We might want to unplug it. Um, it'd sit on the counter, and we'd walk in, and my daughter would say stuff to it, and this and that, and we'd talk. And <clears throat> one night we walk in the house, and we were talking about my mom got a new dog, like a new puppy, and we're like. Hey Google, like we didn't say we like we hadn't ever like said anything, but we're like, hey Google, what should we name our next puppy? Puppy, just like it's a joke. And she go, it goes, I think you should name it Bobo. Yeah. And Bobo was the once again giggles listening. Yeah. See what I'm saying? <laughs> that was that was almost that too good. Wigs me out yeah. for the record. It said that like, I'm like whoa. Uh, uh, it, it it literally said that to us, and I look at it, man, and I'm like, look, well, we never had like. T- I mean, it had been listening to our conversations about the dog. And it, they noted it and said, "Hey, you should use this name as a new dog's name." I'm like, "Unplug that, get that out of here." So, so like, I watch Black Mirror. Oh, uh, I've heard crazy <clears throat> things. I haven't it's wild. seen it. Yeah. And so many episodes of Black Mirror are coming true. Yeah. Like it, it's 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 creepy and scary, and like that type of stuff, the artificial intelligence. There, it's only a matter of time before we're taken over. You guys realize that, uh-huh. right? You, you really think robots are going to take over? A hundred percent. We've haven't talked about watched, this before. Haven't you watched Terminator? Yeah. A hundred percent, I so believe So how quickly do you think this is approaching us? Should we be... Probably not our lifetime, but... Oh, then who cares, th- right? Yeah, think, I agree. Things are moving at such a quick pace. Yeah. I mean, I mean, here's what I always tell people. Mm-hmm. So I'm 40. Mm-hmm. The iPhone came out in 2007. Yep. That's really not that long ago. So I always joke with my buddies that we were the last great generation of college grads because we didn't have iPhones, so we could get away with a lot more. Right. There wasn't a camera on your face 24 Well, and social like, media wasn't really around. Like Exactly. Uh, yeah, you can't just see everything. Everybody sees something on an Instagram reel or so something like, like that. I just escaped that. So look how much the world has changed since the iPhone and social media. Twitter came out in 2006. Instagram a couple years later, I think Facebook was 2004. My point is everything does change that quickly Mm -hmm. and take someone like Elon Musk, who (laughs) I I like a lot and I think he's brilliant and I'm happy that he's buying Twitter, but he's so smart. He's the type of guy who's going to make the robots take over because he's going to create something. I I disagree with you on that. I think Elon knows that that could happen. There are other people that are smart, so smart that they could have that happen. I think Elon doesn't want that to take place. But the thing with the brain... Bill Gates, I think, on the oh, other hand, okay. is someone that <laughs> okay. would maybe allow for something like that to go down. Clearly your team, Elon, they have a beef. Elon wants to create a beef. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know why, but yeah, there's definitely some beef going on between those two. But doesn't Elon Musk, isn't he creating that device that's going to... He put it back your brain. Yeah, that's gonna for people who've had brain injuries, Neuralink, yeah, which yeah. would be me, dude. It's people who've had traumatic brain injuries. Uh huh. Like, am I gonna turn into a dude, robot one day? There's a movie with Tom Hardy that's like literally about that, where you basically like you can have yeah, like a brain injury or like you're born without use of your limbs or something like that. And they take the the thing, and they plug it in the back of your head, and all of a sudden you can walk and you can move and stuff. Like that's like that's kind of creepy, right? I guess, <laughs> I guess it depends on what your definition is and like if it's gonna help us progresses a civilization then well i think so be it but i i get what you're saying you're fearful that like robots or technologies will 
take over human beings. Oh, okay, but I take, don't think yeah, that's going to happen. Take, well, I disagree. Take driverless cars. Mm. Yeah. Now, it was progressing at a very quick rate. And I think there was that bad accident that where somebody died. I don't know if you know this. A few years ago mm-hmm. in Arizona, I believe. Okay. Which I think... It was like a truck driver, right? It was like a it was like a autonomous tr- semi-truck. I'm talking about something that I think was testing for maybe Uber or Lyft. I could be wrong. All right. Sure, go ahead. But regardless, right, that still kind of terrifies me. And the reality is we're definitely within 10 years of you getting picked up in your Uber or Lyft and there's no one in the car. Less than three years. Okay, exactly. Yeah. Right. Does that terrify you guys at all? No. No. No, why would it? Like why so like what what is terrifying about that? I mean, to me it's again, it's like it's one or the other, right? You've got a bunch of idiot drivers on the road driving around, or you've got a machine. Now there's the good the pros and the cons. So they lock that car and they take you straight into yeah, a cargo I, ship that's gonna I be mean, shipped from Long Beach yeah, or you out got, to Europe and or you're you got stuck. The, yeah, but I'm you got the Craig, you got the Craigslist killer that's putting people in his trunk. I mean so true. Yeah, you go you, one or the other. You bring up good points, but like the same logic. Do you like flying? And maybe you hate flying. Well, I have anxiety flying, and they say it's because I, I'm a control. This this is probably what it boils down to. <laughs> to put on my own shrink hat, I have control issues. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm the same way. So that's why they say people who have control issues have anxiety flying. It's not the fear of death, even when there's turbulence. It's like control. True. So that's probably the same issue. With, with the this. driverless cars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. Do you like to drive? Like when you go places, do you oh, like yeah. to be the driver? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I get the plane thing too, right? Like the plane thing makes sense, especially if you want control, you're flying with somebody else. So like when I, when I drove back from, when I moved back from Los Angeles to Cincinnati a year and a half ago, I was with my oldest brother. I drove the entire way. That's a, that's like, a hike. Like, what is that? Over 3,000 miles mm-hmm. or something? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's well, it's got to be. Let me educate you guys a little on this. <laughs> I don't think I don't think coast to coast it's 3000 miles, but it's like 2100 miles or something. Yeah. Yeah, but if you like but the the way you have to take highways and stuff it makes it longer, right? Cuz it's not yeah. a straight it's not a straight line. You can't I, take one I've highway. I've done the cross country drive a lot actually. Uh-huh. I've done it like 6 or 7 times, which I recommend everyone to do. This country is so beautiful. It's so diverse geographically. Mm-hmm. There's so many different types of cool cities, people like when you go across the United States, mm-hmm. it's like you're going to different countries at times. I always say, yeah. Well, it's like that. Uh, I actually I, I had that conversation with my wife the other day. We were talking about like we've been to all these different countries, and I'm like, we always think about going to like the Bahamas or going to Hawaii or going to Europe, and it's like, how many times have we been out west? Like we have never gone out to Montana together. Like we've never been to Yellowstone, Glacier National Park, Mount Zion National Park. Like you said. Those are like gorgeous. unbelievable gorgeous. Bl- places that it's almost like we forget that they're there. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, we got to start like traveling within like the country we live in because there's a lot sure. of cool stuff we haven't seen. And there's a lot of like shithole cities that are also. <laughs> You're like a void. <laughs> no, th- those are some of the best pockets in America. <laughs> what was your coolest place you guys stopped at on that trip then? That one wasn't, that was more of just getting back. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of some of the random spots I've stopped at though throughout my life well here's one we spent a weekend with my podcast we worked with a double a baseball team in amarillo texas okay so texas obviously massive state you know the top that's like a giant rectangle Mm -hmm. you know that part yeah that's where amarillo is okay near nothing you wouldn't think anything of it 
we were there for what two or three nights doing some events with the team and with this restaurant called the Big Texan. Loved it. Again, a pocket you wouldn't think of. Amarillo, Texas. Small town. When I say small town, there's still probably 80, 100,000 people there. I could be way off, but you know, sure. it's it's a fair amount. Mm-hmm. But there are so many of those towns scattered throughout the US. Yeah, I mean, this is a big country. People don't realize it's how the greatest big... country, but hey. Do you think it's by far the greatest country? Uh, yeah, in certain facets. I, I'll be careful with how I answer that. Yeah. You have to be careful. It's well, a podcast. It's, 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 it's our podcast, and I want sure. to be careful with what. Uh, oh, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to get you to say some wild yeah. shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I knew. You're so Andy the- and I are very similar in terms of we like to stir the pot. He's poking the bear a little. I was bit. I was asking him, and I won't get into the specifics, but I'm like, is there anything that you want to stay away from today? He's like, no, I'm an open book. And then we were exchanging some more text messages, and I sent him something. He's like, ah, no, I don't want to talk about that. I'm like, see, I knew there was something there. I murdered somebody. Yeah. <laughs> leave a comment and let us know what do you think Andy is trying to not share I'm kind of curious you'll never you'll never guess you know I want to you know what I want to ask you about Andy that I almost did before we jumped on here and then you guys both cut me off said save it save it for the show your podcast like tell me about you know, what you guys I mean it's called dirty sports right correct and just tell me a little bit about it tell me how you got started like why did you start and then, like, just kind of get into it because I don't, I don't know, you know. And I'm, I'm kind of, I'm fresh here, so I want to hear all about it. Before you go into that, I love how you open up your podcast. Can you just do a quick, like, welcome to? I, I love how you you introduce. Oh, my intro. Yeah, I think it's perfect. Welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. This is your host Andy Ruther. Oh, I say I'm your host. See, I messed it up already. I'm not in the zone. I love it, man. <laughs> and I just introduce where I'm from, and then my co-host. Uh, where, where he's at, which now we're in different cities. But I always wanted to host a sports podcast. So I shouldn't say always. Let, 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 me, let me just take you guys back. Let's, let's bore everybody by taking us way back. No, I want to hear it. Yeah, so give me the when, whole... I was, when I was a kid, I, wanted to, I always wanted to be on SportsCenter. Okay. Like that, I'm, I'm older. Like that was, I know the heydays of SportsCenter, right? Not in... The glory days, the, right? The, <laughs> the good is. days. It yeah. is. Like yeah. the, the glory days. Now you don't need Sports Center. No. You have Twitter and Instagram mm-hmm. and highlights, you, you know, YouTube. You don't need it. So, but back then, you, you had to watch Sports Center for your highlights, and there was great commentary. The best duo of all time was Dan Patrick and Keith Olbermann. They worked great together. And I always wanted to be on Sports Center. And then as I got older, I started getting more interested in comedy and blah, blah, blah. I started doing stand-up comedy. I moved to L.A. basically a couple years after college. And when I started the podcast, podcast is crazy now how many there are out there, mm-hmm. as you guys know. It's a tough market. A so I, I think podcasting is like the new Twitter. Like everyone has a Twitter now. Sure. Like everyone has an opinion so it's like it's yeah like you 100%. said it's become so oversaturated 100 <laughs> percent. so we started i had the i wanted to start a podcast in like 2013 okay so at the time there weren't many this is gonna sound crazy to even say this sports podcasts mm-hmm. well back at the yeah but i mean because it, it's progressed it's gotten so, so popular right so like now every person out on espn or fox sports or you name it, has a sports podcast. Mm-hmm. Back then, it was Barstool, and Barstool wasn't even that big. 
in like 2013. Right. It it was Barstool had their podcasts. As far as sports, there was a couple LA comics I knew. So I wanted to start a sports comedy podcast. And I asked my buddy Joe Prano, who I'd met performing at the comedy store. We met in the green room during a show. We became friends. And I asked him and we started you know, discussing the idea of doing it. And then six months later, or eight months later, I don't remember, we started doing the show. And it was, the first episode was after the infamous, I don't know if you guys remember this, Richard Sherman interview with Aaron Andrews, which was the a, the NFC Championship Wait game. Yeah. So it's San Francisco against Seattle. Yep. I remember this. Hell and, yeah. they, and they drive to the very end. San Francisco's driving. This one, Kaepernick's still their quarterback. They're driving, and they were big rivals, right? And they're playing in the NFC Championship. And Kaepernick throws it, and Sherman intercepts it in the end zone. And then the Seahawks are going to the Super Bowl. And that's when we started it. Okay. Was that right after that NFC, AFC Championship weekend? Was our first episode? Wasn't that when Richard Sherman was like yelling? Like yes, yeah. Like he was like just like yelling. I can't remember and what he was I saying. And I loved him. I literally bought a Sherman jersey that night. That was, was so hyped. This yeah. guy is crazy. I love this guy. <laughs> uh, and that's the show started there, and we were doing it in my. Uh, we were recording in my apartment in Venice Beach, where Joe and I both lived in Venice Beach, California at the time, and that's kind of how it all got started. How did you market? the podcast like how did people start to you know buy into what you sure. guys had to so talk about? I, at the time i had built up some big like twitter feeds mm. that i could retweet the show on yeah and basically when you start anything you just want to start getting a small audience mm-hmm. yeah right right and then grow it from there yep and hope that they like your content and like i said at the time we were fortunate that the competition wasn't nearly as heavy as it is now i mm-hmm. think about that like I think how hard it would be to start a sports podcast right now in this market. So we were fortunate in that regard and then it and then it started to grow and then you see the growth when, when I realized and you asked me this before the show. Yeah. When I finally had that kind of aha moment like we have a following was probably about 14 15 months later. Joe, who's a diehard Mets fan, mm-hmm. tweeted that he wanted to throw an opening pitch before a Mets game. Okay. And he tweets this out and he uses the hashtag. His last name is Prano, P R A I N O, let Prano pitch. And enough of our listeners retweeted that and it was, the Mets were tagged in it. Okay. Or liked it, you know. There's just a lot of engagement. Yeah. That mm-hmm. that within three days of that tweet, and again, this would be really hard now with the amount of engagement that tweets get. Within three days, the Mets social media director or whoever was running their Twitter direct messaged Dirty Sports and said, "Let's talk and start setting up a date where you guys can come in." That's amazing. That was the, that was when you were like, okay, like this is this is really this is real. And then when it became even more real was we flew from LA to New York and we set it up perfectly. He picked a night the Mets were playing the Reds, so mm-hmm. both of our teams and the Mets were cool and they said we'll give really cheap seats out in the outfield, like 250 seats at a really low price for friends, family, listeners. And that was the moment to we do the pitch. He throws a ceremonial pitch to me, and so dope. 
there was listeners who had like signs for us and then you know they want to take pictures uh-huh. and do all that thing and th- there was this there was this uh, there was this guy he was, he was a big guy he kept taking off his shirt and saying sign my tits <laughs> Did oh, you do man. it? Of course. Yeah, of course you did. So like that was that day was like a huge moment and I and I'll be, and I'll be honest. Like I'm an emotional person. I I came back to my hotel and I actually cried cuz I was like it was like so much emotion for mm-hmm. me and my family wasn't my my mom and dad and my brother Greg and my sister-in-law Kelly were there and it was like I had worked my ass off so hard. That was an emotional night for me because it was just like all this work, and I was just overcome. Absolutely. Well, it's like you put in a bunch of effort, right? Yeah. And it's like, okay, it's going to come eventually. Eventually, you know, and you're, and you're telling yourself that this is this is worth it. Eventually, I'll, I'll, eventually, it'll turn. Like you know, it'll turn into something. Eventually, it will. Yeah. You get the belief system right, and then it's it's different when it actually like something actually does happen like that, where it's like, okay, like I've really hit this point where it's everybody's seeing the success this is garnering. And and for me, it wasn't even because at the time the truth truth is we weren't really making any money on the show. But I think for me, it was also maybe some validation with my parents being there and having family mm-hmm. to see. Wow, Andy's been doing this podcast, which they don't really fully understand. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And now they see. Wait, kids are holding signs up for my son, <laughs> and they want to take pictures and. You know, there's something here. There, yeah. There's, there's, a, there's this wild fanfare, and our, and our listeners are called dirt balls, and all the dirt balls are there, and it was just, it was, it was such a beautiful night. And to add to the pitch, we, so when they do ceremonial pitches, they have a bunch of people do. I don't know if you guys realize this. Like we, we were like the opening act because next, <laughs> yeah, the, the main, the guys who threw right after us were Przingis because he'd just been drafted mm-hmm. uh, yeah. to uh I forget one of the grand brothers. So it was like, let's do these two, these guys first and then you know they announce you and they bring you up and then and then they had Przingis throw out the first pitch. But it was just a great night and that was June let's see here. I'm pretty good at dates. It was like June twenty sixth or twenty seventh around there, twenty fifteen is when that happened. Wow. That sounds like such a. I can see like the emotion on your face, yeah. like that feeling. Like you still probably. I mean, you can still remember it like that. Like I do. Yeah, because it was so. It just sounds like so amazing. And I, and it's a I, life milestone. Yeah, like yeah. you've just like. I think the. I like the story you, you kind of said like your parents there, like your family and support, and then being able to see like okay, this isn't just something that like he's just been doing to have. But we now we kind of don't understand it. But we see that it's like it's something that's he's been so passionate about. And sure. This is where he's come. That's just neat. That's so yeah. so rewarding. So back then, were you still doing like stand up comedy too? Because like, how are you earning a living? I was. So good question. So at the time, I was working on a radio show for Sirius XM. I was working for Lance Bass from InSync, InSync hmm. fame. He had a radio show on Sirius XM five days a week, and I was his writer. We were live two hours a day, five days a week. I was his writer, but I also got to be on air every day. Mm-hmm. And that's how I made my living. But I also had side gigs through social media. Sure. People would pay me to promote stuff in, in, in that sphere. But that year and that time that I was with Lance, a year and a half or whatever, I 
I basically had no life because I would do dirty sports twice a week and his show was called Dirty Pop and he also had a second countdown show on SiriusXM that I wrote. Hmm. So I was working nonstop and the irony was one show is called Dirty Pop and one show is called Dirty Sports and they couldn't be more different. Uh Like Dirty Pop, pop culture show, uh, me and two gay guys discussing pop culture and you know it's very like that type of world Mm -hmm. and then Dirty Sports is like two bros talking sports you know what i'm saying <laughs> yeah but but i loved i loved both and i and and that was that i look back on that was a great time in my life to be honest did you um just to follow up on that did you start podcasting because you thought you were going to make a career out of it or did you do it kind of like this would be awesome if it blew up but i also am passionate about it and so i'm gonna i'm gonna put my all into it and see if it pans out like what was that thought process behind that no it's a good question I didn't really, you know, I didn't really think about blowing up or the financial end. I just thought I love sports. Mm-hmm. I love talking sports. I've been a sports dork, a sports nerd. Call it what you want. Mm-hmm. I'm that guy my whole life. So why not do that and passionately talk about it with someone else, with athletes, with writers, with anybody who likes to talk sports? And that's basically why I started. And I still feel the same way. So it definitely sounds like you were just super passionate and you knew that, okay, if I'm so passionate about this, the money's probably going to come along sooner or later. Yeah. Well, and, and also, you know, I, I've lived a pretty, I would say I've lived an interesting life and you know, our show is sports, but we go off on tangents. We might not like talk any sp- show. Yeah, though, right? ex- exactly. Yeah. We might not talk sports. We, we, we might just go off on, a tangent for God knows how long, especially during <laughs> what we call the, the lull periods of, of the sports. Right. Sports, yeah. Right. So that was my thing is I've been a talker my whole life going back to grade school mm-hmm. and then I get into stand-up comedy and then I'm in radio and all those things. I just, I wanted to make a living off being able to talk. Yeah. That'd be like, you're like, that's, that would be ideal. Like I'm already good at this. Let me just polish it. Yeah. And, and exactly. And, and you learn I cringe listening back to some of my episodes. (laughs) But I think that's a good thing. That shows how much you've grown there too, right? For sure. It's the same way with stand-up. I don't like watching any of that old stuff. And most comedians or most performers don't because I'll get very nitpicky. Sure. You know, in all regards, I'll say I, I used to listen back on my podcast just to nitpick, which I think is good. To a degree, right? Sure, but now I don't. Now I'm like, oh god, I said um too much, or I said like too much. I, you know, those things. We're our own biggest critic, right? Like we're gonna. Be- you should be, I think. Yeah, we are. Like we're our own biggest critic. But so some like- people aren't. Yeah, that's being self-aware, but there there are people that are too critical, and sure. I think I land on the side of being too critical. I tell Cole this all the time, and I think he knows yeah. after a few months of working together that I can be a little too critical, and it's like, just relax, like just let it go, and yeah. it will work itself Give me an out. example. Well, going back to just you know podcast episodes, oh, I said this, and I don't know if I really align with that, or I said um too many times, or I say the word, you know, that phrase all the time in between, uh, transitions, like little things like that, where I just nitpick myself and goes like, just 
don't sweat it. Like who cares the the content's still there at the end of the day, or sometimes I might sure. not be fully engaged in some of our conversations and he can recognize that very well. Um, and it's just like, okay, why don't you pick some of the topics that you're engaged on? And then, you know, we'll have a better episode than if you're worried about stuff like that. So, so. what's your guys background? So we, so you, do you know, like, well, do you know how we met? So we were, we're we went to grade school together. Okay. Yeah. So you went so to Guardian Angels? Went to Guardian Angels. Yeah. We were, uh, like, we were also an the angel Angels. Angel did you get GA too? I did. Let's go. Class Let's of go. 96. Oh, man. We were, cl- I don't know what class we were in. 2008. 2008. 2008. Um, now we went to GA together. We were, like, in the same friend group. And then he went off to St. X, uh, and I went off to Turpin, like, high school. And, you know, just, like, just, kind of how it happens you go to different schools you have different groups and we kind of stayed in touch we'd see each other at parties and stuff um and then you know fast forward to like over the summertime i saw something he posted something we'd kind of caught up a little bit and he posted something on linkedin i'm like hey man how you doing we went out like met at a bar i got a few beers because he didn't drink he doesn't drink so i'm like i drank the beer for us <laughs> and we went and sat down and I'm like okay cool like you know let's catch up again and then back in December, we sat down for a coffee at Panera. We were just bullshitting, like going back and forth. How you doing? Yeah. And I had run my own startup a few years ago, and we were in aquaculture, and uh, I'd run it for about three and a half years and shut it down about two two years ago. So this is about five years ago. Um, and so I was like having that itch, right? That entrepreneurial itch to get so- get into something, right? To get into something that's not just my typical my day job routine, right? I want something that is for me that I'm putting that sweat and effort into. Um, that's that's my own, right? And so didn't really know what that was though. So we were talking about that, and he mentioned like he, you know, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I want something, and we started talking about podcasting, and we're like, dude, let's do it. Let's let's start a podcast, and so. Week later, we started unscripted exchanges. Came up with the name, started doing it. Um, but I mean, I come from like a sales background, so okay. I've done sales. I'm a talker. I mean, I, I'm I can talk and talk and talk and talk and and pretty much engage with most people. So I came from that background of, you know, I started. I had my daughter when I was 19, uh, a very young age, and I got right into sales. So I was in college, started working in sales, um, and then I've just climbed my way up, started my own business, done a lot of stuff, and. This, you know, when you said like, I wish I, you know, I wanted to make a living talking like that, like hits home for me because I enjoy like sharing my opinion, engaging with people, talking, like hearing your story, like seeing the passion, the excitement, the energy you've got about what you do like that, that invigorates me. That gets me like excited, right? It yeah. gets me, it gets me moving. So again, that my background's kind of been, you know, more sales, you know, I got two daughters. I got you know a beautiful wife, and you know uh, entrepreneurship. You know, and I just something like this an opportunity to have people listen to me and and pull something out of that sounds awesome. So, are you local in Anderson as well? I live in Amelia now. Okay, yeah, but I grew up in Anderson. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, so we're right down the street. Isn't Amelia officially not a thing? No, it's a, it's okay. So it's what happened with it Amelia? Is a, okay, Explain so, this to me. I don't this really understand is news this. to me because I don't know. No, so it's like you're actually right. Um, it's like technically not a city. Or so something. it's I really don't know. Like our address is Amelia, so we bought a house in the neighborhood over there, like July, and I don't know either. Like to be real you honest, you know what I'm referring no, to. No, right? I literally because I know exactly what you're saying. Amelia was like, I think absorbed by Batavia, like the village of Batavia, 
But my address is still Amelia. That's why I'm confused because I still see Amelia, but I was told a couple years ago. There's no like Amelia taxes or anything like that. Yes. Yeah. I have no idea. So it was like my, a takeover. How the hell is that happening? No, literally, I think everybody was just like... AI took over Amelia. <laughs> this is what's going on. I think... Uh, I, don't, I, I don't know how to answer that because we don't... We live in Amelia, but it's not a thing. But our address is Amelia. I, I have no... I, I couldn't tell you. Just tell people you don't know where you live. It's like, I pay... I pay I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Because, like, I thought the same thing and I'm like... It, they absolved the city of Amelia, like kind of like dissolved it, and Correct. It was absorbed by Batavia, and then whatever's past Batavia, I think it's uh, not Brown County. The Brown County's out there, but if you go all the way down like one twenty five, you get to uh, I don't know what it's called, but anyways, it's like I don't. I, to answer your question, I don't know if no one knows. No, but we're, I live in Amelia. Just so right. I live basically. I live like in uh in somewhere else, you know, off off the grid, basically. Enough about us over here. I feel like he's interviewing <laughs> us. He's he's good at flipping the script. Hey man, well he's learning about no, us. We're talking, I, I, you I know. know. I mean, I know. I want to go back to some more of your uh, podcasting stuff. I I've seen that you've had a lot of big guests on your show, at least in my eyes. Who would you say are some of your favorites, or if you have a favorite, who would it be? Guest wise, well, we alluded to it before the show. We had Pat McAfee on. So dope who is a great guy. He's obviously killing the game. Like he's in podcasting now, right? Oh he's got yeah. His own show. Yeah. Dude, the Pat McAfee show. Yeah. Yeah. But it's he, hilarious. he started so that good. only three or four years ago. No, he's been, he's been doing it for a while. I mean, maybe, dude, he did maybe, it after you started your show though. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So Pat just signed a deal with FanDuel, I believe the end of 2021 for $30 million a year. <sighs> Pat's huge. Massive, yeah. He's he's got a great show, and he's in Indianapolis, mm-hmm. and he's got a whole crew around him, and his model is a great model. What I love about this is that you don't need to be in the big city. No, hell no. You can be anywhere, and the truth is that was one of my things. Moving back was internally, is this the I gave up? Because we kind of look down on people like that. Yeah. When I say we, I think people that were in the entertainment world. Totally. And I was one of them where that was the give up card the minute you left LA. Mm -hmm. But with YouTube and technology now. It doesn't matter. If you're interesting, if you're entertaining, if you're smart, clever, funny, whatever it is, it doesn't, you mean Des Moines, Iowa, you can be in (laughs) Los Angeles, you can be in New York. You can be in Amarillo, Texas. It, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Amen to that. And, so, I, and I think that's what makes it great. Pat is your all-time favorite then? Well, I, I mean, favorite's tough. We've had a lot of people. We've had Sean Merriman on a lot. Who We haven't had him on for a minute, but he was a three-time Pro Bowler, uh, defensive rookie of the year, played for the Chargers. Dude, he was a monster. And, and Sean would always laugh because he would come and he would sit in my apartment on a couch like that <laughs> in between us and like you're saying monster and he'd just be like this is what we're doing it now because when he started we would be in the studio and then he would come in but we've also had people and this is awful that i can't remember certain guests that we've had we've had guests that aren't the biggest names that are just fun for me to talk to yeah so like i was fanboying out big time when we had david zucker on syrian google after us again that's on me now 
Yeah. That's on my watch. Uh-oh. Shut her down. Creepy. Uh, but David Zucker, who was one of the writers and directors of the Airplane and Naked Gun movies. Mm. Yeah. So I got it. One of the reasons I got into comedy was those movies. Those movies were hits when I was like nine, 10 years old, 11 years old. So to go to his house in Brentwood and interview him, like that was great. Or other, again, names who aren't the biggest but kind of have a cult following. We had Brian Scalabrini, the White Mamba, on our show. Hell yeah. <laughs> and that was great because Scal gave us, between on air and off air, we talked to him for like three and a half hours. And these were just interesting, nerd, in-depth sports discussions that we're going so far down that he's listening to us and we're listening back and he played, I think what, 10 years in the NBA. And it's just fascinating hearing why Joe and I are saying why LeBron is our opinion, the best of all time over Jordan. And he's coming back at us, but then he's also listening to some of our points, which is kind of cool about a, from a guy who played, played. with these people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now he's, he's here. He's like, Oh, that's actually a good point. He's not just writing you off as like, Oh, you didn't, you didn't play. So you don't know. It's like legitimately you have a good point. You know, he's yeah. Engaging in the discussion versus just shutting you down. Yeah, exactly. So that, that's kind of been fun for me just to have conversations like that with people, with athletes, with anybody, to be honest. That's so awesome. I'm curious. So when you go into like, uh, like when you have guests on, right? Do you typically discuss like, hey, here's maybe what we're going to talk about beforehand, so they're prepared. Do you just invite them in? I mean, maybe you do it different now than you used to do it. But like, we're having. I mean, you're you're a guest that's podcast, right? I mean, you do this for a living, sure. So you're very easy to call, to go back and forth with, like, and talk with, yeah, right. But we have guests on, like we we've we've had some amazing guests already that have awesome stories, and, and we think they've been great. But I think, you know, I, I guess, I, and this is, I'll just do it on air, is like, what is, you know, we try to have genuine, unscripted exchanges. That's our that's our brand. That's what we're doing. But preparing for those, how did you make guests more comfortable? Did you did you have those conversations beforehand? Do you do it differently now than before? Well, you know, normally, we'll just get into it. I'm pretty prepared. I always do my research. Mm-hmm. When I worked in radio, we had guests on all the time. Mm-hmm. And one of my jobs as the writer was I would write the questions Mm. for the host, who was Lance Bass. So let's say, for example, and we had great names on on his show. So, for example, like we had Kevin Hart on the show. So my job would be as the writer, what's Kevin doing right now? Mm -hmm. Prepare the questions, research it. That's helped me along the way for everything I've done with Dirty Sports because I had to do that like five days a week regimented you had to get it like you you and i'm writing for somebody else right so for example last week we had on dirty sports jeff perlman who's the writer of showtime which is the 80s dynasty of the lakers which is now a hit show on hbo Mm -hmm. so for jeff i read his book which is a 450 page book great book i recommend it for everybody who's interested in that era or just the history of that lakers dynasty or even the nba and I probably prepared 20 questions. Okay. But even those ebb and flow naturally into the conversation, mm-hmm. I had those ready if I needed them, but I knew it was going to be easy because he's a sports writer. I'm a sports guy. My co-host is a sports guy. And that 
50 plus minutes that we had him on the show, it goes like that. Right, oh, right. Yeah. Flies by. Yeah. Because we're discussing his book, we're discussing the TV show, which obviously all of us watch as well, and it's an easy transition from question to question. But I always tell people, be prepared, but also to answer your question, because I haven't really answered your question, he was a prime example. Is there anything you don't want us to ask you or anything? Okay, okay. That, that's more for kind of like what Hayden did me yesterday. Is there anything you don't want to talk about? Which we're still, I'm still trying to figure out what that is. You'll, you'll never know. It's nothing major, by the way. <laughs> oh, it's huge. Well, now you, you can't huge, say that. Because I'm sitting here and I'm like, I got to pay attention to what we're talking about instead of trying to analyze like what it was. Maybe he'll share with you off air. Yeah, will you? Sure. No, he's probably going to hold it back now. He's like, yeah, <laughs> you don't sorry, want, you dude. You don't want to know. I just met you. Like, I won't tell you. Um, no, I appreciate that. I mean, I, again, it's like. You know, for us, I've got I've got the opportunity to sit here and talk to you. I, yeah, what is so like? You, what's your guys' end game here? What's our end game? I mean, I think I, you discussed this. I, yes. I think we both have similar visions, but I think we would probably answer the question a little bit differently. And I love the question that you just asked, Andy. By the way, though, in terms of we're very we do a lot of research ourselves. Mm-hmm. I, at least I think we do, Cole. Um, we have questions uh, prepared like that we write ahead of in advance, but I think to take that a step further, do we share that with who we're bringing onto the show or do we kind of just keep that between ourselves? I think that's the balance that we've been kind of struggling with. And I think it's situational depending on who the guest is. Cause there's some people that are more outgoing and it's going to be a lot easier to have that conversation and keep them engaged versus there are some people where you probably want to give them a little bit of a heads up so they know Mm -hmm. what to expect. So, yeah. Yeah. But like, as far as with this show, you guys both have day jobs. Mm-hmm. Is is your life like? Is your goal to be doing this full time? The goal, no. So the goal, yeah, it would be it would be it would be to do this. I'd say for me, at least from from what we've discussed, and I I, I think I think Hayden underestimates how much we align on this. Um, but the goal is obviously just to create a lot of value, right, and grow this and be able to monetize this eventually, right? Because, but it's it's doing so. We in have a way. monetized it, by the way. Yeah, but but the goal is yeah to be doing this. He sounded very confident. He's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can see we're totally on the same page, right? Uh, yeah. Um, no, I think uh, I think the end goal of this is to create more opportunities for us to do this and start other companies or ventures that that sprout out of this. I mean, the the point of unscripted exchanges, at least from from for me, is to share value regarding like you know, life experiences, like, you know, beliefs, mantras, you know, motivation, make somebody's day a little bit better and share something they can use. I believe like if you go into any conversation, we could talk for two or three hours. If I can take something away from that, like that's positive, that will help me out. That's, that's valuable, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, on the higher stem of this is okay. Impacting other people, right? That's the first goal making you know creating value for others impacting them having them say hey we've gotten something out of you guys um and then the the, like you know the business side of it is yeah we want to monetize it we want to be able to do this uh i would say full time but also be able to you know network and use this this opportunity to meet with people to maybe go into another business venture whether it's a software company or a products company or a health you know a health company whatever it is i think there's you know, not one finite line 
where we want to go with this right now. If I, from my point of view, I think there's a lot of branches that can go out, but at the end of the day is we want to get people to follow and listen to us that believe in what we're saying and get something out of it. What Cole said. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, this is a launching pad, I think to, uh, other opportunities like yes this would be one thing that we'd want to continue doing but there's going to be other things that come about like we're trying to create a marketing and media company and that's one of many companies and then there could be software companies and so on and so forth and we're going to have startups involved we're going to have venture capitalists like this is just oh you want that vc money we're just the big that that that, that big money that vc money yeah i mean i'm talking a big game to some extent yeah it, it, we're yes. not going to rule anything out. It's it's <laughs> it was an opportunity for us to share value, talk to people, meet new people, and and again, like kind of get back into that actual spirit where we can go in a lot of different routes. So who who are your? If I said demographic, talk, well, no, not even that. If I said who are the people you look up to in those areas, like entrepreneurial or motivators i know hayden and i have talked about david goggins mm-hmm. i love goggins because he's a lunatic <laughs> and that's just an example for somebody like me if i maybe need a i don't know a little motivation i watch a video of him just screaming profanities at people and calling everybody a bitch you, you know <laughs> you know like like i love that dude read his book right. lunatic absolute lunatic i love hearing him on joe rogan lunatic who were people like that that maybe you guys look up to or want to maybe model after i'll start so lewis house hose uh he's got a podcast and he talks about just life-changing stuff and very wide casting in terms of personalities that he has on but again goes back to just trying to drive value out to the masses and make people live better lives you don't always have to agree with what you hear and that's the great thing about podcasting is okay I see the title of this. Sometimes the title can be, you know, clickbait, but some people are a little bit better at putting details in their description and you can kind of synthesize, okay, maybe this isn't for me. I'll skip this one. But again, that's the great thing about podcasting. So he's one of those guys. I mean, Joe Rogan comes to mind as well. Sure. Love him or hate him. Um, I like Logan Paul as well. He's a young guy uh, that's been crushing and having very big names on his show. So those are just some people to kind of compare. But we're trying to do our own unique thing as well. Um, So those would be just the two or three names that come to mind immediately. What about you, Cole? To be honest, my honest answer, I don't really necessarily look to anybody else for motivation for that or or who's the epitome i like different people i like different things i hear um but i don't look to one individual or one you know business person i've met a lot of cool interesting people that that have been successful in business like you know i raised angel funding for my startup and I had some amazing. Inve- okay, I'm I'm an idiot. Break that down for someone like so, me who doesn't know. When you angel, say angel funding, funding. So you've got the traditional funding, which is different. Like you know, you go back 20 or 25 years ago, you could go to a bank with a business plan. They give you money, right? That was how it was. Like it wasn't. It was a handshake and here, like this is it. Um, and the reason VC and angel funding has become so more so much more prominent is that it's you can't just go to a bank and just get a business loan. It just doesn't work that way. So when you have a startup or an idea. Uh, and you want to raise capital so you can get some to different some milestones, right? Whether it's 
uh, you know, proof of concept or it's uh, MVP or whatever it is, there's what's called angel investors, which are typically smaller uh, smaller investors, so mo- smaller monetary amounts. Uh, it's not traditional like venture capital, so it's not coming from a fund. It's coming from an individual. So you go to like, you know, individual A who's got a net worth of ten million dollars, and individual A John, let's say, will give you fifty thousand dollars for five percent, right? That's different than a VC fund. That's a group of investors that vote all together. Okay. Yeah. So venture capital is typically like um, institutional money versus angel money. Angel investors are personal net worths. Gotcha. So they're investing their own cash versus working with a group of of banks. Like a lot of the times, VCs are backed by a big a big bank, like you know J.P. Morgan Chase or something like that. They're included in that. Would sure. Would you also say that VCs, you, at the end of the day, succeed or fail, you still have to pay back whatever they've. Not necessarily. In? It just depends on the. Terms yeah, it's not. It's still not. It's still not. Okay. A bank. It's still. It's still a, a capital. It's all. It's all. So you go to a bank and a bank. And typically, you go to get a bank loan. You're not going to go to the bank and say, "Hey, I'll give you twenty percent if you give me five million dollars or five hundred thousand dollars." They're not, that. That doesn't. That doesn't go that way. But a VC fund is set up, so it's look at it like a. I mean, it's an investment fund. So look at it like you go to a hedge fund and say, "Hey, I want to put my money in your portfolio," and they go invest your money and make you twenty percent or whatever it is. It's the same principle. VCs have money and they go and they they collect all this money together. They put it in this fund and they say, "Okay, we're going to grow this. So we're going to invest in, you know, let's say we're a, a early seed VC, right? Like a seed or early stage VC, we're going to invest in companies that are five employees with an idea that have potential to grow to a billion dollars. We're going to, you know, or they could fail. We'll give them $5 million and see how they do. There's a lot that goes into it. I learned a lot of that stuff when I was, when I started my company, because that's what we had to do. We had to raise money and we, we, we put a lot of our own capital into it. But at the end of the day, we needed a lot. Let me ask you that. Let me ask you this. Yeah. Cause I always joke. So I lived in California for 14 years. Mm hmm. And people love tossing around the VC money term. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and you see it all the time in these startups. And you see it with the new thing. Uh-huh. Now, now, I lived in Venice Beach, which for a while was called Silicon Beach. Uh-huh. Because Snapchat started right down the street from Right. Me. And I think... Tinder might have started there. Yeah. A, a, a lot. Google's uh, Google's LA office was half a mile down the street from me. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the main corporate is up in the San Francisco area. But my point is, you'd hear this, and I'd always be like, "Wait a second, is this all I got to do? Is create a good idea, and they're just going to throw millions of dollars at me?" Like, I, I always feel like that's how it is. Uh, no, I think. <laughs> I, well, I think it's. I think like that's what it's just like anything with media, right? Like, yeah. They only show you the stories of people that have like raised money. They never sure. show you the stories of all the people that can't. Yeah. Only, you only see like here's these startups and here's how they raise a Series B for fifty five million dollars or this or that. But what they're not showing you is like it is one of the hardest things you'll do. <clears throat> First of all, less than you know one percent of startups raise any capital at all. Angel capital, visa, venture capital. One, less than one percent. One percent. Less than one percent. You can fact check me on that, and wow. I'm sure I'm sure it's skewed because it's a Google thing. You can look up, and Fortune's going to have a different idea than Forbes does, and this and that. Uh, but typically, like to raise capital, 
you know, you don't go into a company saying, you don't start a business going, I'm going to go, you know, the only way I'm going to start this is if I could raise capital. You say, I'm going to work as much as I can and get as far as I can till I have literally no op- option but to raise money. And that's when you, for me, that's what we did. Like, we didn't just go out and start trying to raise money. We went as far as we could on our dime until we could literally could not afford to take the next step on our own. Like, we gotcha. put all our money into it. And even then, I mean, I got really, I got really lucky. I got, I, I met some investors, I met some, some mentors that bought into me and were kind of like, eh, on the idea. But they really bought into me and believed in me and my team, and they said this could go somewhere. Um, and they and they, you know, that's provided usually some, how it goes, though, right? Yeah, they but, buy into the the personality. But I could tell you, like all the people that said no or blew me off or met with me for six months, you know, that's that's typically how it goes. You don't, right. you know, raising capital is not Do a. Do you have their names written on like a dry erase board? Oh, I know. Like, well, we had one of them on our show already. Leo, who, who said no? No, he said yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was saying he was the asking people... about the people that. Said oh, yeah. Maybe I know. I could name them. I'm not going to. And and you're like, uh, God, what am I forgetting his name? I told him they were idiots from. Uh... <laughs> I thought they were all morons. I, I'm thinking of the character in Billy Madison who has the name crossed off with people he's going to murder. Holy shit! Yeah. Then he. What are you talking about? When he like calls him on the, he's like on the phone with him. He's apologized to Why him. Why am I forgetting? The, I know the you're actor. terrible with movie quotes. And I know stuff. you're talking let, about. Let me ask you this, Andy. Okay. Have you ever been approached with you know, VCs saying like, "Hey, we'll buy Dirty Sports, or we want you guys to do." so and so with it like would you ever turn that into something bigger than it already is well the, th- the thing about it's it's an interesting question about buying because i've had this discussion with my co-host if somebody bought and then they want a percentage then you're giving up control mm-hmm. right which is how it works for any business of course yep. but i would argue with something like podcasting that's the best thing you have joe rogan always says that is the control, mm-hmm. is the power. Because once you get other money or other people involved, then suddenly you can't say certain you things. You got to please, yeah. Then suddenly, and, and I mean, I mean, in full disclosure, there are certain things I can't say definitely around advertisements of companies that I work with. Mm-hmm. They don't really, sen- they never censor what we say on the show, but centered around the ad, yep. there are certain things, because they give you a freedom to say certain things when, when you get an ad copy, right? But there's certain things I can't say. Or do I watch certain things now more than ever? Yeah, I do. Then that's that's just me being honest. I got to get paid. Yep. And people might call that selling out, but... You don't <laughs> want to cut off the hand that feeds you. I mean, is, <laughs> it, the is it selling out or is it capitalism? I don't like the term selling out for the record. Capitalism. Yeah, I, 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 think, I think it's a BS term, to be honest. When people say, oh, that actor or that comedian or whatever. <laughs> so I'm like, wait, so a company approached them. And they got paid this sum of money. So that's selling out. I would argue they worked their whole life to achieve that success. Right. Oh, it comes back to like the, then you could go to like, is it selling out to get work for somebody just because you don't like your job? Right. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't make any sense. No, a hundred percent. That's what I always yeah, say. It doesn't make any sense. You could say I'm a sellout. I don't like waiting tables, but I wait tables to make a living. Right. Then you're a sellout. What? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Right. And a lot of people say stuff that they don't even really yeah. mean or like you don't know how you're going to react in the moment if something like that actually happened to you. So so like we've had people say you guys have tamed your show a lot. Not sure. a lot. We've had people at times occasionally leave a call and say, 
you know, you've gotten a little bit of PC. It's I mean, it's, it's the reality. It's got and it's not. It, it's more of but I but I also see my thing is you better bring receipts. Yeah. So when people say, "Oh, you guys have toned it down," and and for the record, not that I'm trying to tone anything down. First of all, you evolve as a human. Mm-hmm. Yep. Me at. 25 is different than me at 30 versus 35 versus 40. <laughs> totally. I'm a completely different People person. People don't get that though sometimes. People don't get that. I am. They're expecting the young Andy from yeah. when you started yeah. seven years ago. Yeah. The, yeah. the seven year ago Andy who's yeah. binge drinking yeah. and, you know, just going out with girls. Like, that's just not me anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when they say, oh, it's not as dirty, I always will be like, okay. Name a sports show that's having this, 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 and this discussion. Oh, you can't. That's right, because we're still the same people we are. Yeah. I, I love what you highlighted there. Basically, give me examples is what you're saying, and people can't say anything, so it's like you're full of shit. Well, they are, especially yeah. in this world of heightened everything being political. Oh, and everyone wants to complain about something. So, <laughs> so I've, had, I've had some people complain to me about they feel maybe some of my – not, and I shouldn't say some people, just a couple, you know, maybe get a couple tweets here and there. Oh, your your politics since you moved back to the Midwest. And I'm like, just like I just did there. Give five huge issues yep. where I have changed my stance. And I'll tweet that at him. Oh, you haven't responded? Cool, because you can't. I'm one of those people. If you come at me, I can handle it, but I need evidence. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, you're like, if, if you've got evidence, I'm okay with that. Sure. Otherwise, don't come. Yeah, but some people just like to poke the poke, and, right? And, and you know what's weird is, to go back to the changing thing and evolving thing, I this is one of the things I found so, I find so weird about people. They want to hold you to how you were instead of celebrating mm-hmm. you evolving, especially... <laughs> Like emotionally, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? You know, one thousand percent. I don't get it. People will be like, "Oh, you're lame now." You're this. I'm like, "What?" Like, because I've matured? Right. Oh, because I've grown up. Well, look at all the people that try to dig up dirt on people from X number of years ago on I like never, Twitter. It's like, I never, why, why would you even spend time I never doing get that. that? I never <laughs> get that. Yeah, everyone yeah. has dirt on everyone. Them. It's uh, it's ridiculous. Like, I mean. Why would you ever want to get into politics or become like the president? Like someone's gonna try to dig up stuff on you when you were in like second grade. It's sure. like, yeah, I, right. was, I, I was maybe mean to someone. Do I feel bad about it? Yeah, I do. But like we're human beings, we're gonna <laughs> right. make mistakes. Like, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I kicked Johnny in the face in second grade on the playground. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, I can't believe you did that. By the way, Cole. Uh, dude, I probably, kick. I probably did. I probably I don't know. I got, I, I, sorry, Johnny, if you're out there. I got one last topic for us to dive into because I don't want to keep you too much longer. I really appreciate you joining us tonight. Uh, he looks relaxed. Look at well, he, he does, got the foot up now, I, man. I think I've you were born him a like little bit times. with the uh, the schooling of VC a little bit. I mean, he uh, enjoyed it, but you were going in depth. You were you were teaching <laughs> me, but I was getting a little bored too. I will say, I zoned out for a minute. I could I could read it. <laughs> well, you, you were super passionate about yeah, it. Yeah, no, I should, lo- Don't ask the question if you don't want the answer. No, I know. Hey, 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 to be fair. How did I even get on that wormhole, though? I asked it. It's it's my fault. Yeah, he's really good. He's good at yeah. asking us questions, I, I got, too. you know, I, I humble brag. A living. I just came from a swim. You know, I haven't eaten, so maybe I zoned out a little. He's, he's also really hungry. He's about to get hangry, so let's not keep him too no, much I don't, longer. Yeah. Do you coach baseball? No. Basketball, though. Basketball. We're at. He might not want to state that. No, that's fine. Oh. Third and fourth grade, Immaculate Heart of Mary. It's really intense. Is it? No. So oh, dude, I'm sure it's intense. He's a traitor. You're not coaching the good old guardian angels. No, I, dude, you're I, coaching them. 
I, I so I coached my nephew. I coached That's my right. nephew the last two years, yeah. and, he, and he goes to IHM. That's super fun. It, it is fun. Great age, third and fourth graders. But now I realize that this year, there's kids who don't want to play, mm-hmm. and then the my, my my opinion is this: by fourth grade. Find something that your your child is interested in and yeah. push them towards that. Yeah. If they don't want to play basketball, cool. If they want to do piano or the trumpet or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Push them towards that. That's what I found interesting. That was the difference between third and fourth grade was that now it also creates this division in the team because mm-hmm. the other kids know. So-and-so doesn't want to be here. Right. And then they get annoyed. Right. And then... It becomes a whole thing. And then I have those conversations with my nephew, for example... And he's like, well, he doesn't even want to be here. I'm like, I don't know what to tell you, man. That's that's their parents. <laughs> right. Do you, not to go down this rabbit hole, but to kind of go down it, do you think that parents should always just let their kids kind of flow towards whatever, you know, they're engaged with? Or do you think there needs to be some structure where it's like, no, you got to go out and try this. I know you might not like it, but maybe I, you'll I'm change. I'm for structure for sure, but I think definitely pushing them towards their interests. Yeah. I think letting them... Like I said, by the time fourth grade, maybe still not there yet. By the time fifth, sixth grade, sure. it's just my take. Yeah. Let them go towards something they gravitate. Makes right? sense. Yeah. doesn't matter what that is. Yeah. Well, let them let them participate. I mean, I can, you know, Ava's Ava's a second grade. My daughter's a second grade. Okay. So I can I coach her soccer team. I've coached her since she was four years old. Talk about a nightmare about four-year-olds running around. Oh, I can only imagine. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, my stress level when I coached these four-year-olds was like, I mean, that was like the worst day of the week. Like, I loved it, but it was like, I got to get wrangle these girls and try to teach them how to play soccer. Structure's not easy. It wasn't. Um, but I think for her, and, you know, my take on that is, again, I kind of would agree with, with what you said on structure, meaning like let, you know, give them stuff to try out, right? Sure. Like, like for her, like let's, let's try this. Let's do this. Like, cause otherwise they're not going to know what they, they do or don't like if you don't get them involved in something. And then with her, what, what she starts gravitating towards like horseback riding, she loves horses. So we've, you know, we don't shove it down her throat, but you want to do one lesson. Now you want to do yeah. two lessons a week. Like, you know, let's do more and more like that. Let's start doing shows. The more she's interested in that, eventually, you know, it might weed something else at that she doesn't have that much interest in. But I don't think we would have ever known she was passionate about it if we didn't ever get her involved in it in the first place. And I think about that with myself. My dad was always so supportive when I was a kid to bring it back to the, me wanting to be on Sports Center. He'd say, Why don't you write to the anchors? Or there was multiple players, whether it was Reds or Xavier basketball, I'd literally write letters to it. My dad would push that and support that. And I, and I look at that and I think that effect was so profound on me mm-hmm. and directly why I ended up hosting a sports podcast. That's so cool. And also teaching failure. Uh-huh. I, I just think my problem, not to sound like an old head, but I feel like these kids don't understand you're going to take a lot of L's in life. <laughs> we talk about that all the time. Literally. And oh, that's how yeah. you learn. And whether that's an L in a job, a relationship, sports, it doesn't matter... Everything I've gotten, I've grown from has been the toughest moments or when you lose grief, whatever it is. Yep. It's when, you ch- it's when you change. A hundred percent. Yep. Well said, guys. Well said. So one last topic here that I want to dive into, comedy, which is a very large term there. Like, Do you see comedy getting better or worse? And I know that's probably a loaded question. Like, I feel like comedians are now being 
silenced or have to be careful about what they talk about. And maybe you don't feel that way. Like I'm seeing some of the recent stuff come out with like, um, shoot, I'm blanking on his name. Chappelle. I think he got a lot of backlash, um, he over did. the past couple of years. And even last night someone charged him, which is wild. Like, it is wild. Everyone seems to get upset about something. Like I feel like comedy is just about making fun of whatever it is. And there's always going to be someone that feels upset about it. Yeah. Well, that's, I, I, I don't think, I think at the end of the day, comedians and I'm biased because it's my background but I think comedians are in a way the mouthpiece of culture across the world and that's how I would argue comedians are so important because they are the people who can poke fun like you're saying at anything so for me nothing's off limits nothing okay and I think that's very important and through comedy I think a lot of things are highlighted bad things mm-hmm. through comedy or through tragedy. I know I know in my own life sometimes some of the most difficult moments I want to write jokes about because that's that's how you cope. That's an emotional way of dealing with it. Exactly. Yeah. It is scary when you see Dave Chappelle attacked or people freaking out and I don't ultimately worry because I'm still uh I'm still a firm believer in capitalism and the market will dictate. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. So he's never been more power. I, I don't know if I'm going to use the word powerful. I, I should say he's, he's never been as big as he is now. Sure. Like he's always been big, but I'm saying none of that has decreased. Yeah. So if people are still paying to see him, you can complain and you can say, oh, it's offensive. And I think that's the problem now is people don't understand how to take jokes. No, not at all. Well, they just forget what com like what what comedy is. I think it's like, and they want to be part of the show. So mm-hmm. if you show up to a comedy show, this is a professional. You might not agree with them, then just don't laugh, right? But the minute you make yourself part of the show, you're going to get destroyed. <laughs> you're going to get <laughs> because annihilated. They, they yeah. have a microphone, and this is what they do for a living. <laughs> so I, I always find that funny when somebody heckles or somebody wants to make themselves a part of the show. <laughs> It's you're like you, you just you just made your own grave. It's stepping into a boxing it arena and like it is. yeah. It's like me walking onto going onto the ropes and saying I'm gonna fight Mike Tyson. It's yeah, like, it's you're it's not get destroyed. Just like that guy did on the airplane. Yeah. It's, it's it's not gonna end well. Like Chappelle said in one of his specials, Twitter is not real life. You no. can have your feelings hurt. Mm-hmm. That's not real life. Right. So he's always been my favorite all time. Yeah. So for me, I've loved him since his first special, Killing Them Softly, which came out in 2000. Okay. I so, don't think I've seen that one. So it was his first HBO special. It came out in 2000. I've been diehard for, what is that, 22 years now? So I always say to people, I've followed his career since then. He's been my favorite comedian. Nothing about Davis changed. Sure. The problem is everyone around him has gotten too sensitive and they've changed. And I think the largest or sorry, the loudest critic is usually like the smallest, you know, representative of a hundred percent. Yeah. You like know if, what I'm like, saying? Like if you go on social media, yeah. it's the extremes from both sides yep. that are the loudest. Yep. And that's amplified by how the tweets go and these echo chambers. And my mm. advice to everyone is that stuff. Like, I hate that I have to use that stuff because I just think it's terrible. I, I would agree. And we, Cole and I have talked about this. Off, it's off the it's air. literally so true. It's like, it's toxic. Yeah. It's like, it's, but it's like, it's like how you engage, but it's also just like, 
like some of it's just gone so far the wrong way. Like it's been used in such a negative way. It's like that's the key point, though. How you yeah. use it. it should be used as a tool, but it's very easy to get caught up in some cancel garbage culture crap. You're going through a thousand, yeah. you know, tweet uh, or subtweet or Reddit, and, and it's like and what the am irony I for me is everyone. Like I always say, you know. People on the left get canceled. They get hit. Oh, you're. The, but people on the right also just want to cancel people as much because mm, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. the it's the counteract yeah. to the left cancel culture. So everybody wants to cancel everyone, and it becomes this big thing, this revolving door. Yeah. How about everybody read a goddamn book? Yeah. How about that? <laughs> I, Open I, a book and read it. I've yeah. tweeted this. Do you think the world would be better without Twitter? Oh, I've debated this many times. Yeah. So that's a good question. That's actually a great question. I've I've actually had this discussion on uh, my podcast same thing Th- there have been good things to unite people good causes sure. yeah ultimately i would argue the mental health the negative aspects i'd say at the end of the day outweigh the good that's out there i would say that yep. and you're talking about a guy whose basically career is built on <laughs> right <laughs> social media yeah but I can be honest about it. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of negativity out there from not even Twitter, but just social media in general. Instagram, Snapchat, yeah. and the yeah. studies don't lie. I no, don't, this there's science that tells you that it's terrible for your mental well, health. Well, it's just kind of like, I mean, if you think about it, I think we've talked about this too. You think about social media, right? You like you ever been in a room full of people and you got like the negative person, you got the po- two, two positive, you got the two negative, you got the two quiet, you got the too opinionated, right? You've got you've got these people in a room, right? Well, you just literally like have a room with whoever wants to be on it in the world that can say whatever they want anonymously or unanonymously to each other. Like that's sure. that's that's why it's it's a negative thing because you've got there's no consequences for what there's you no qu- yeah shoot off more times and they would never say that to your face exactly. Right? They could just say whatever they want on there. Like or the high- let's say you're on YouTube mm-hmm. and you think the Earth is flat. Yeah, and you watch a video on that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what does YouTube's algorithm do? Keep sending you more videos about the Earth being flat. Next thing you know, you're believing this more and more because you're seeing more videos. See where this goes? You're just living in a constant echo chamber. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, you're doing a protest about. <laughs> by the way, these exist. If yeah, anyone you're, listening, you're, you're right. <laughs> I, I I saw one going on in Venice Beach, California, a rally for the Earth is flat. I don't want to go to one of those. Oh, I, I'm I am fascinated. By uh, I really stuff. want to go. I am fascinated. But that's my point: is that you just you live in this echo chamber, and nobody just talks to people. Mm-mm. No, nobody would say mean things uh-huh. to someone's face. So for the longest time, I had a problem. We had a problem on our show with people not using their real face on Twitter. I I find those people ridiculous. To be honest, it's, it's like, like you're hiding behind. I know. Yeah, and, and, and even if they're not talking trash. Oh, you want to have a real conversation with me about Tom Brady's status as the greatest quarterback of all time? Cool, dude. I don't feel like arguing with Kermit the Frog. I just don't. (laughs) I want to know what you look like. Because my curiosity, are you a 16-year-old kid? Are you a 45-year-old man? Are you a Patriots fan? Who are you? And is that so you know how hard you can go in? A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Especially being in the sports world. it's, It's like if I post something that might take a dig at... Jordan or Kobe. Oh, wait, your avatar is Kobe Bryant? This is a dumb conversation. Right, right. 
<laughs> right. Like you already, we already know what your opinion is. Yeah. <laughs> like if it's a 10 year old kid just shooting off crap, you're, there's going to be certain things that you're going to stay away sure. from probably responding with. I yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. But I, I definitely think overall social media has done more harm than good. Uh-huh. I think the average attention span's like gotten worse too. I think that's a fact now. Like it was only like five seconds and now it's like half of that. I, I don't know. I could be wrong. Fact check me on that. I tell people, I've actually been sleeping better since I started zero screens before bed. Hell yeah. I'll just read. Yep. Like, you should do it probably at least an hour, but mm-hmm. start maybe 15, 20 minutes. To wind down. Yeah. You'll sleep so much better if you have a book. Do you bring your phone or any technology into your bedroom? Because I try not to do that. It's smarter to do what you're saying, but, but it's my, hard. my alarm wakes me up. Oh, sure. Sure. The other thing that we've talked about recently is lighting at night as well can play a role in how yeah. quickly you can fall asleep. Like there's junk lighting, like the bright fluorescent lights. Like your brain doesn't know if it's truly nighttime or not. And Interesting. It makes it harder to fall asleep. You know what also helps you fall asleep really well? Beer. Two kids. Weed. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. fall asleep like a baby after, oh, you've, I bet. Been, <laughs> after you've been up. Right. No, there's plenty of. <laughs> solutions to the kids problem. really are the best remedy for sleep yeah they're the best and worse i mean they wear you out yeah but i mean <laughs> so you've talked about growing like in your career and you're not the same person that you were seven years ago or sure. x number of years ago like what advice would you give to your future self and then what advice would you give looking back to your younger self oh, wow yeah we're getting wow. real here. future self is tough okay i'd say my future self to I, I struggle relaxing mm-hmm. to just relax, take a deep breath, not be so damn tense. Yeah. And I, I, that's my current self as well. Do you think that's because you're worried about self-driving cars? <laughs> I, I think Dude, that's it's it. It's machine. <laughs> I, I think that's it. Yeah. I'm telling you, AI is taking over. <laughs> my, you're just talking about my previous self? Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, that's tough. I think we, we just learn through experiences, but sure. I, I hate to dwell. I think we all do it, right? You don't want to dwell on things you did wrong. Yeah. Um, but my my younger self, maybe certain things I should have gone harder at mm. or, or tried more things. Like like what? Do you have anything that comes to mind? Like stand-up maybe. I, I didn't okay. go as hard as I could have. Okay. I was expecting you like to you say felt like you point did. guard playing in the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> you felt like you didn't give it like your your 110% effort. No, I never did. But I also was always trying to find ways where I could make money in that sphere, whether it was yeah. podcasting, radio. Right, so shoulda, coulda, woulda. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things that I don't really... Maybe some dumb financial decisions. Sure. That's yeah. actually more of, of, of something I would suggest but overall i'm happy with just the travel the life i've you know the path i've traveled yeah no regrets man yeah yeah Yeah. you don't know no regrets yeah (laughs) (laughs) he's got that tattooed on him no regrets do you yeah i'll show you later no you don't yeah i do no you don't yeah right here Bullshit. I'm dead serious. No, I got it. I don't. got it when I was drunk, like four and a half years Dude, ago. Dude, are you like a white sorority girl? Dude, you, I, did, you did not get that I'm tattoo. Not kidding you. You guys will have to share these secrets off. Uh, yeah, you did not get no. Not regrets. kidding you. It's do you, the. Do you spell it with an and I haven't R A G R E T S. Yeah, I literally got it and 
I like I, I haven't got it LASIK off because I like like lasered off because I want to remember like how much of an idiot I was then. How old? Twenty four. Well, take me through your head, dude. I'm just messing with you. I'm like, you're taking this bit too <laughs> far. I, I, I know you are. I know you are. Jeez, you you should have kept going with. It. I could have kept going, but. I yeah. bet no way. Do either of you have tattoos? No. no. I didn't think so. I've thought about getting one, but again, it goes back to... What would you get? What would I get? Yeah. I don't no know regrets. exactly what I would... Uh, <laughs> I want like a, I want an arm sleeve. <laughs> like would be his, sweet. On his neck. But the thing is, I don't want the tattoo forever, and that tattoos are there to be permanent. Exactly. That's the thing. That's if my If I could get a tattoo for five to ten years while I'm still relatively young, yeah, that'd be cool. That's but my But when take. I've got kids, wife, when I'm 40, 50 years old... You know, I probably don't want to. They got these sleeve. things called henna tattoos. Yeah, but those are like <laughs> sixty for, days, ninety days. That's what I'm gonna do after the Try show. Try it out. I'm gonna get a no regrets henna tattoo. There we go. Try it out. See if it see if it sticks. Yeah. You get like, some dude. knuckle tats. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like taking it's like taking a tattoo for a test drive. Like you can see yeah. if you like it. See sure. how people react to I'm, it. I'm gonna get a knuckle tattoo. This this is gonna say yo, and this one's gonna say fool. Yo, fool. <laughs> I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Well, hey, I say we wrap things up. This has been a fun conversation. This might have been our longest conversation that we've had. I mean, we could probably keep going, but we're going to wrap things up. want to say thank you once again to Andy Ruther for joining us. Uh, where can people find you at? Just everywhere at Andy Ruther. Okay. All right. Thanks for having see me, you. guys. Dude, Andy, thanks for thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Thank, I can't wait to see your No Regrets tattoo. Yeah, we'll too. have to have you come back <laughs> on and see how that. things are going with the tattoos. Love Dude, it. you really, I couldn't, like, I, once I was, like, too deep into that. No, jo- I was pretty sure you were joking. Yeah. But I had to keep. He wanted to see what you had to offer. I mean, I could have yeah. definitely gone through a whole story, but I was like, I'm just going to. Well, that's, that's what, you know, that, that's basically a bit we were doing. You yeah. just keep going back and forth. Yeah. Get into acting. Dude, I'm telling you. We say this on every show. We suck at signing off. All right, off, all right. We are signing off officially. <laughs> Dude, he's, he shuts I'm, me down. I'm, I'm hungry. <laughs> Go ahead. Say what you want to Thank say. Thank you guys for joining us. Thank you, Andy. We appreciate you. And tune in for more content to come. We got some merch dropping sometime soon as well. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. No regrets. No regrets. <laughs>